My early childhood was regular. I played Vic Kick, but was devastated when tonsillitis kept me out of a final. I thought it was the end of the world. It was Hampton versus Brighton Beach, and it was my first chance to play in a genuine match. Everything up to that point had been kiddie games, and then all of a sudden, I couldn't play. At some subliminal level, the hurt must have stayed with me. I would go on to play in two AFL grand finals, and on the morning of each of them, I would be extraordinarily relieved to wake up feeling well. There was no Vic Kick ghost haunting me. My first proper game of football was for East Sandringham's under-9s. Driving to the ground in Duncan Street, Dad's only advice was, whatever happens, don't let them put you at full back. But I was reasonably tall for my age, and so, wouldn't you know it, I was promptly sent to full back. A howling wind was blowing the other way, and the ball didn't come near me for the whole first quarter. I was shifted to full forward for the second quarter, and as the wind continued to blow to the other end, I didn't even get close to the ball, again. At half-time, in my debut game, I had zero possessions. In the third quarter, I played centre-half forward and got a few touches. At the last quarter, I was moved to the centre, and really haven't left there ever since, as it has turned out. Soon I was playing three matches a day, Oh, to have that much energy now. But footy wasn't my only sport. For a couple of years, up to about the age of 12, basketball was my favourite game. I played for a local team, the Sandringham Bullets, on Saturdays, and a regional team, the Sandringham Sabres, on Friday evenings. For my parents, that meant long, late trips all over Victoria. I remember the day I told my old man that I didn't want to play basketball anymore. He yelled with joy. I hadn't realised until then how much he hated the game, but he was always willing to sacrifice his needs if he saw that they conflicted with mine. Influenced by Dad, I always loved athletics. We lived only a few hundred metres from the Sandringham Athletics track, so from under sevens every Saturday morning was little athletics. I was a reasonable runner, good enough to reach state championships regularly, but only sometimes making a final and never winning a medal. One year, in under-11s, I'd qualified for the state 800 metres championship by finishing third or fourth, as usual, in the regional meeting. The state finals were four to five weeks away, so I decided to adopt an organised and concentrated training program for the first time in my life and see how far it would take me. Dad and I ran every day, It helped that Dad had some athletics knowledge. For instance, that you train for the 800 metres by running shorter distances. At the track, I'd do four 400s with breaks between. Dad would time the runs, but not the rests. These days, I would time the rests. They're almost more important than the runs. After a few weeks, I was running a consistent 115 for 400 metres. Other days, Dad and I would run to Hampton Beach and back, which was his regular daily run, around three to four kilometres. While at the beach, we would do a series of sprints up the ramps to the car park. These became affectionately known as our torture trails. Late in the campaign, and it was a campaign, a day came when I'd had enough, and I stopped and walked home. I was stuffed. Dad was fine about it. He was never one of those parents who would push me to a point where I became resentful nor was he trying to live out his own athletic dreams through me. 
Subconsciously, I absorbed from him an early lesson about intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation. Through his behaviour, I learned and built intrinsic motivation. I was training because I wanted to train, not to please a pushy parent. The lesson stayed with me and recurred often throughout my footy career. I think parents who drive their kids to the limit end up ruining what they're trying to create. Dad understood this. On the day of the state championships, I qualified around sixth for the final, high for me. In the race, the favourite, who was quite a bit quicker than the rest of us, tripped and fell at the 200 metre mark. I remember thinking that that was a lucky break for me. Clearly, the story of John Landy's famous display of sportsmanship in stopping to help fallen rival Ron Clark in the National 1500 Metres Championship at Olympic Park in 1956 had left no impression on me. I was running about fifth and ploughed on. With about 150 metres to go, I was thinking to myself, I'm not tired. The intensive training program had worked like a dream. I reined in the field and hit the front with about 15 metres to go and cruised home to win. My time was 2.31. This was a 12-second improvement on my personal best set only a month before. I recently read this quote from the late Phil Walsh. I don't believe in the heat of the battle that you rise to the occasion. I believe you actually sink to the level of your training. That rang true to me. My time of 2 minutes 31 was almost exactly two of the 1 minute 15 400s I'd been running in training.